0: Aaron Lunsford, liner notes, season one. Was that right?
1: Something like that. Yeah. Liner L- notes. That. Yeah, liner notes. Yeah, you got okay, it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> yeah. One, two,
0: three, great. Aaron Lunsford, liner notes, season one. That's like the joy of music, you know, is when you get to connect with people on, on really personal things and kind of, um, work across boundaries and, and, just share that common experience, you know.
1: Today on Liner Notes, we are talking with Americana and Folk singer-songwriter Erin Lunsford. You might know her as the front woman for Erin and the Wildfire. You might know her from her most recent project, The Damsel, where she gets back to her roots of Americana in western Virginia. But no further introductions. Now it's time to talk to Erin on Liner Notes.
0: Yeah, Friday night we had a show down, it's a four hours away in Stewart, Virginia. It's kind of near Floyd. Oh, wow. And um, it's a little festival down there. And it was just so sweet and lovely. But the, they were running super behind, and we played like one, uh, 11 to 1. And I haven't played a set past 7 o'clock for two years now. So I was just wiped. And it was four hours there and four hours back. And then yes. I had a show last night. So,
1: so this, the second, the back-to-back was tough.
0: Haven't done that in a really long time,
1: yeah. yeah. You and NBA players have the same, like, schedules. <laughs> I've <laughs> um,
0: never thought about it
1: that way. I hadn't either until just now <laughs> when you described it. Uh, you spend a lot of time down, like, in that area of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like, what what about that area keeps drawing you back? Like, is there a specific interest in that sound out there? Like, what?
0: Um, well, I'm from that area originally is, okay. is m- probably the number one reason I'm from um, County. It's really close to Roanoke, basically. Okay. So, Southwest Virginia, and my family, uh, my extended family, like my grandparents and everybody's from Floyd, the even more rural aspect of that area, so, um, but there's just a couple really great festivals out there that Aaron and the Wildfire have played. There's Rooster Walk, Floyd Fest, um, and then this one was Front Porch Fest that we just played, so they've all got these, like, gorgeous little farms and bring in really amazing music, so it's, it's fun to be there
1: and speaking of like western virginia you spent a lot of time out there going to school and, and forming your band air in the wildfire like yeah. what did that appalachian lifestyle being in in that kind of open land do for do for you as an artist and and how did mm-hmm. that kind of help create your sound
0: well i solo started as super bluegrass music which i've gotten away from a bit, but uh, when the band got together in Charlottesville, we kind of blended all of our influences together and um, started venturing away from my Blue Gas Americana sound um, and more towards like funk and pop and stuff that we all collectively loved, but I wasn't really bringing that sound by myself, so it was something we had to work towards to, to migrate our songwriting that direction. But um, I would say my personal um, music sensibilities were super informed by At- Appalachia and like the ballad, you know, like the classic ballad that you hear in bluegrass and American- Americana music. Um, I just love that kind of storytelling and that is something that is still in Aaron and the Wildfire, like trying to tell a story, trying to connect with people um, and our songs are kind of a journey, you know, like middle, beg- wait, beginning, middle, end. <laughs> middle, beginning.
1: You start where you want when you're telling the story, right? That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> what was, what was the hardest or most interesting transition trying to go from the more like Americana bluegrass sound into more of like a a funk pop style because they are they're different but they're not that far different. So like, what mm-hmm. was that transition like as you learned?
0: Um, great question. It was. It was challenging because I was really clinging to what I knew mm-hmm. and also feeling like a lot of ownership over the songs and not wanting to change my vibe very much. Um, but my bandmates were like, we think this other kind of music would be cool. We should try to you know, push towards that style. So initially I was kind of pushing back and having a hard time writing in this new direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were, we were constantly listening to stuff that was changing my mind about that. So, um, It was a lot of changing um, what kind of rhythm goes behind the song when I'm trying to write lyrics, um, and what kind of chords are going to go behind everything. It's just not as simple. Not that all Americana is simple, but it's just a different, totally different vibe for chords, and and everything that goes behind the lyrics. So um, it was a lot of listening to influences that helped What were
1: some of the things you were listening to?
0: um, D'Angelo. Uh, um, I can think of more recent influences, but that's, I wonder what I was really listening to back then that was changing my mind. Um, like these days I'm all about Emily King, um, Brittany Howard, um, Alabama Shakes, um, who else? The band collectively just loves and admires D'Angelo so much.
1: Man, Richmond legend. Yeah, Richmond legend. That's you're not the first person in this seat to have (laughs) answered D'Angelo like that. You had said that your your roots of how you grew up with music was like Americana, bluegrass, that style, but you kind of transitioned a little bit with uh, Aaron and the Wildfire Mm -hmm. to be a little more pop, a little more funk. Yeah. Your latest album, The Damsel, I thought really got back to those roots. Um was that a conscious choice? How did you, you know, navigate writing these songs? Yeah,
0: um that that album is absolutely um a callback to my roots. And um I think of my solo project as genre super different mm-hmm. from Air in the Wildfire. Um so it was absolutely trying to get at that Americana bluegrass like folk um the heart of Appalachian music that I grew up on. Um, and, you know, Aaron and the Wildfire, I think of us as like indie pop soul, you know, just, there's quite, I feel like there's a big divide at this point between those two projects. But when we started, it was one and the same, and it was kind of like a backing band for Aaron Lunsford, mm. you know, and then we were like, actually, we wanna write in a different way for this band's sound, you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, The Damsel was so, such a long time in the making. Some of those songs are like 11 years old. Wow. And just, I just hadn't um, put any focus on my solo project for a long time, because I was trying to do Aaron in the Wildfire. Uh, so it was a really nice opportunity to uh, really soak into those songs and try to put them down in a way that uh, people would experience when they come to see me. That's kind of what I wanted to get out of that album. Um, like if you come see Aaron Lunsford, this is what this is what it sounds like, you know. Um, so, yeah, that album was really fun to make, but also released during the pandemic. So didn't get to do anything with it really, but someday, hopefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I think you did some things to kind of like make the best of it. What what I liked about the album um, is it really is, I feel like, a glimpse into these very specific moments of mm-hmm. your life. Um, Almost specific conversations at times, like yep. you know, like with you and your mom about you moving and things like that. Yeah. Where did the, um, I guess, the courage to allow people into those moments come from? Um, and then, how did it feel, kind of weaving that moment into like a broader narrative of the album? Mm,
0: great question. Um, I think that I was trying to write songs that helped connect with people. I'm thinking of Dolly Parton comes to mind. (laughs) Excuse me. Her kind of songwriting is is so specific sometimes and such a specific narrative like a really particular story she's telling that's just so um, it just grabs you you know and it makes it and all kinds of different people can relate to her stories um, because they're so specific and so heartfelt but also generalizable you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I was trying to write stuff that um, stories that were really truly personal, but that people could kind of take and make into their own or apply to their own stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, to answer your question, like how did I feel comfortable bringing those personal stories to light, I think that's like the joy of music, you know, is when you get to connect with people on, on really personal things and kind of um, work across boundaries and, and just share that common experience, you know
1: yeah um and speaking of common experience like uh i forget the name of the song but you are talking about like look uh, the look in your daughter's eyes your neighbor's eyes and like and how people see the actions that you do um like how has the community that you grew up in kind of i guess influenced you in that way because it feels like family and like loyalty are a big part of it's stuff, you know, your personality, but also it bleeds into your sound and mm-hmm. like the music that you create. So like, what what was that dynamic like?
0: Um, your questions are so thoughtful. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the song Neighbor's Eye, so um, that tune I wrote after attending the Women's March in D.C. Mm-hmm. in 2017, and uh, yeah, it was a really, really beautiful day being there. I was really scared going into it. Cause, One of my friends' cousins works in the CIA and was like, don't go, it's going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. But all of my close friends are going, and I was like, if they're going to go out, I guess I'm going to go with them, you know. (laughs) Um, And then it was just a beautiful day, and lots of unity, and I felt really inspired, but I also felt so pulled by the partisanship of everything, and so many people were being polarized at that time, you know. So, that tune was about knowing that you're acting, that you're on the right side of things if you're acting out of love and not out of fear, which is sometimes hard to delineate. But um, that day felt like acting out of love, absolutely. And that ties into a lot of my songwriting because I feel like I've been lifted up by other women musicians in Charlottesville and in Richmond Mm -hmm. all the time. People are always extending a hand. um, And in particular, my college experience. I ventured my way into a um, a student recording group called O Records, okay. and that's where I met the band um, Aaron Wildfire. But it was a black woman who helped me get into that group um, and you know lift me up with all these other musicians at the time. And I just have never forgotten how profound that experience was when I should have been reaching out a hand to her. You know, right. it was such a great teaching moment. Um, and so that's what that song ties into. It's like all the women that have um, helped me and in my music as well.
1: Yeah, Well, I mean, the title of the album is very fitting, The Damsel. Like, I, I think I think with that, though, there's like, you, you tied irony into that because a lot of your album is about strength. And when we think of mm-hmm. The Damsel, it's always The Damsel in distress. Somebody needs right. to come save you. Um, and your album, you know, combats a lot of that. But th- I still feel like, on uh, the song like 27 summers down mm-hmm. like is that a is that a new thing that like women of our generation are dealing with like that expectation of like oh there's a time limit on when you have to have all these things checked off the checklist mm. and trying to rationalize maybe a different way is that like a new generational thing or is is that just you like i don't know I, i'm kind of oh, just a great just question
0: um i don't think it's a new thing i think that just the timeline and the pressure on women from the patriarchy to fit whatever mold is expected is always changing. Okay. So like for my mom's generation it was like you better have a kid and be married when you're like 20 or 25 or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, and now uh, I was thinking of that 27 summers down in terms of um, my, my life plan in general but also my relationship to my music career. Because mm. um, there's so much pressure to like be a pop success before like when you're 18 or whatever. Um, or less. Shouts out Olivia Rodrigo, you're killing it. Um, but you know, there's a, a weird pressure from from a lot of different sources um, for women to be successful and be young. You know, yeah. so that's where I feel like, oh my gosh, time's running out, and I wanted to reclaim that with that tune. Um, like I'm not going to play the damsel. That's where that lyric is from. Is that t- that song? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, make my own timeline, make my own path. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if it's a new generational thing. It's just, like, that's where we're at now.
1: So, you feel, so you're so you saying, like, it's almost like the same pressures just pushed back a few years? Yeah,
0: or morphed into a different expectation, mm-hmm. like career or uh, or kids or marriage or whatever the thing is, you know.
1: I wonder if, like life expectancy has anything to do with that If like a hundred years ago they expected to live shorter lives so you had to get married quicker and now I think they, you're right and now yeah. like you're, you can live 20 years longer and so we right. push that back a little
2: totally hmm.
1: <laughs> I think we may have just figured it out
2: it actually started with my mom like I went grocery shopping with her and was starting to see all of the alter all the options that are out there I just was like yo like I can make all kinds of pretzels. I would come up with a bunch of cravings and then start selling them at work. Like, I spent a lot of time like making sure every detail is like perfect. I just knew whatever was gonna come out was gonna be real because like I sort of I I live and breathe this like the creations it was really important for us to be able to provide something for our vegan community, gluten-free community, our sugar-free community. The pretzels are like pretzel ladies. The cake pops are lady cakes. So just kind of trying to pour into that feminine energy and that, you know, I can have kids and still own my own business, like I can do it all.
1: This is like a total who you are as a person question. Okay. Okay, ready? What were the first three CDs, tapes, or albums that you bought or that you were gifted specifically for you? Not like somebody gave you Mickey something when you were three. Sure. But like first things you picked out.
0: Uh, The very first thing, the very first CD I ever picked out where I walked into a CD store and bought something was Vega Boys. Nice. Um, Like, we like to party. We like, and they have... I want you in my room, boom, boom, boom. That song. Um, I don't know. I just went to the CD store with my dad, and it was when you could listen with the c- with the headphones.
1: Oh, you had to like touch and I was the like, sample. This is a bop, and yeah. I was
0: like, Dad, I want this one. Um, and then after that, I got super into uh, Leonard Skinnerd, okay, and you know, like some southern rock stuff. Um, and then I went into Whitney Houston land. Um,
1: that's a pretty diverse... Uh, yeah, I just got
0: of... just so taken in by her vocals. And at that same time, I was really into Dolly Parton and Eva Cassidy. Like, I got super into singers at that point. Wow. Um, but yeah, like, what, what is her album? Is it Heartbreak Hotel? Is that what that album's called? Um, that has got My Love Is Your Love. And I don't know, that's I just love that, that album.
1: Do you know? <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> but Yeah, those are my nice. first few.
1: That's, that's pretty solid. I think mine was uh, live which was like a, an alternative rock band. It was like Throwing Copper was the name of it. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic with Amish Paradise uh-huh. and Black Street.
0: Nice. Yeah. Hell it's, yeah. It's pretty solid. I listened to a lot of the Food Album, the Weird Al Food Album. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you didn't have a Weird Al stage, like in your yeah. life, you, you're you gonna have one soon. Yeah. Like everybody has sure. one at some point. So no, that's pretty cool. Uh, he's still killing it. Shout outs to Weird Al. Yeah,
0: he's, he's, he's amazing. <laughs>
1: Mention the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. it's not fun for anybody. Mm-mm. Nobody liked any of that. Still don't. Yeah. Um, but you, five days after the dreaded March eleventh date when the NBA shut down and Tom Hanks had COVID and all of this, that's I think that's when the world knew like something was going. Yeah. Um, five days later, you started live streaming concerts that mm-hmm. raised money to help people. Like. Mm-hmm. It was immediate what made you want to kind of do that and and how did you put that together
0: i wanted to do that because i was about to release my album i was about to release the damsel and i was also thinking this is only gonna last two weeks like like we all thought so i was like "Uh, this is going to be a a holdover you know i'm going to keep people entertained and try to keep their attention and then two three weeks from now i'm still going to have my shows so Mm. this is going to be like perfect advertising and then also, it was a perfect way to tie in a charitable cause, you know, just right. at the same time, um, with no uh, no realization that it was gonna take for you know take what are we coming up on?
1: Uh, It'll be two I, years in March, I guess. 18 so years or <laughs> like, eighteen years, you know? yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I just saw an opportunity and kind of jumped on it. Um, and it was really rough in the beginning, trying to get all the, the tech down. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd never done anything like that before, um, and just kept working at it, and then you know became a, um, became a much longer thing. It wasn't intended to be, but
1: um, you probably raised more money than you thought you would initially with doing all that. I really shows. did,
0: yeah. I think I donated like $1,600 in 2020 wow. um, to different organizations from you know from the weekly um, tip jar.
1: That's cool. I, mm-hmm. I I know that for myself, like during that time, the artists who did at least try to utilize the moment in some fashion by putting on some sort of live concert, it was so nice. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And not to say that I don't want to see people live anymore, but I think like artists should try to incorporate more of a, mm-hmm. of a live stream thing into yeah. their shows or, you know, so people can tag in from afar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, li- I think that out of this is going to come Something interesting, something a little more creative. Um, so I'll be watching newbie because you seem to be <laughs> on the forefront of that.
0: Well, I was for a while, but I could I could go without it for a while. I okay. think. <laughs> you- I, I mean, I did it I did it for four months every week, and then I went to every other week, and then I went to twice once a month or twice a month, and then I kind of started phasing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but depending on how things go the rest of this winter, I might have to kick it off again. <laughs> we'll oh, see. I hope not. Uh- <laughs>
1: Uh, so you've done a lot of touring with your band, Aaron and the Wildfire. Um, what's the most fun thing you've eaten while you were out?
0: Ooh, oh my goodness. Um, one of my favorite memories is when we played in Philly, and we were like, we're going to get a classic Philly cheesesteak while we're here.
1: Where, where did you go?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, it was a strip with like 10 different Philly cheesesteak places. Oh. Um, so I'm not sure. But the experience was really How memorable. How did you choose
1: between the 10? We
0: went in a place that had a bunch of people. Okay, that's um, usually a good indicator yeah. of quality. <laughs> but we, uh, I got my head bitten off though by the person behind the counter because I have never ordered and there's a process to it. And you know uh, what bun you want, what cheese you want, um, sauce or not. You know, there's a, it was kind of like yeah. Subway, but <laughs> you need to know your shit. Okay. before you're in line basically it was
1: like legit soup nazi style like for, yeah, from seinfeld exactly wow.
0: yeah so i was kind of like a, a hurt puppy in there um and so they actually skipped me and went to my bandmate. and i had to like get behind in line again because i didn't i wasn't ready <laughs> but it was really good also
1: uh, worth it i have yet to have a real real philly cheesesteak the fake ones are good. Yeah. I like them. This like... could
0: have been a fake one. I don't know, but it was awesome.
1: You assume that if there's <laughs> ten or like nine other spots right around it that they are somewhat comparable? That's so they're fair. either all trash or they're all authentic.
0: Yeah. Let's go with the latter. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm Alexander and this is Garrett. i Garrett. We're honestly smoked. Uh, we found out we lived across the street from each other in college and we were always cooking stuff in the backyard when jerky came into play and I had a recipe that I had messed around with. We went in, you know, that top spice, you can see it is bold. There's a lot of minced garlic, there's black pepper, there's smoked paprika, there's cayenne, there's garlic. There's all these great, great things in there that you just won't know. It's so textural and so vibrant, and then you bite into it, and it's like boom, and it just lights you up. And not to be cliche, but we, we made our product with love. We started this because we both ate a lot of beef jerky. We'd go to the grocery store. and We still do. And we, Of course we still do. Shout out Three Notch, Brewing. 3 Notch Brewing, Collab House and Scott's Edition, our Who Smoked All the Porter recipe that was a companion beer to the mild child jerky, and we we're going to try to take that and rummage that into an awesome little holiday flavor for y'all. If you type in here RVA, we haven't made this promo code yet, but it will be live by the time this is... Yeah, you are in the future, and this promo code is now live. Exactly. So, so, so if you use promo card Here promo RVA, you will get RVA. 25% off your entire order. 25. In Richmond... Mm-hmm. I think now is a time when we have more options to see different live music than we've ever had mm-hmm. um, which I think is awesome um, what are what are some of your favorite spots to like go watch somebody mm-hmm. play?
0: Um, let's see so many.
2: <laughs> I
0: love the vibe at at Friday cheers. that outdoor setting is so gorgeous next to the river um And uh, it just feels, I don't know, I've only been when there's been been good weather, knock on wood. Um, So it's always just been kind of a blissful experience. So I've really enjoyed that. Um, I saw Robert Glasper there in 2019. um, And that was incredible. It was just so fun. Um, But also I really love The Camel. Uh, It's just such an intimate venue. I love seeing songwriters there and they have a songwriter night a lot. Um, They have open mics. and also, shouts out to The Camel. They really tried to keep it going as safely as they could through the whole pandemic and yeah. keep supporting artists. And they jumped in with me on some live streams and stuff. And um, just really appreciate that crew. They have worked really hard to try to keep things afloat. Um, what else? Also love The Broadberry.
1: Oh, <laughs> Broadberry's classic. I, I saw uh, you guys perform at The Camel a couple years ago now. <laughs> it was a really dope show. It was like uh, Grebe's was opening up for you oh, yeah. free union and it opened up for you. And then uh-huh. you guys went on and I was like, uh, oh, this is super tight. Yeah. Um, but the Friday Cheers show mm-hmm. that was like y'all's first show back in forever because of the yeah. pandemic. Like how did that feel? Seeing that many people <laughs> by the water with the train tracks and yeah. like, what was that vibe like? That
0: was so emotional for me. It was really special. Um, I definitely was holding back tears in our first song because I was just like, we're here. Um, Light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic thing. Uh, But yeah, that was our first show back in a year and a half and it was sold out. So we were just so flattered, (laughs) it was amazing. And you know, it was with Mighty Joshua, who's so incredible. Um, And we had a great time hanging out with them backstage. They're just the sweetest people too, Um, but yeah, that was that was blissful again it was just so lovely we lucked out on the weather I and mean, it was still really freaking hot but um but it wasn't raining
1: yeah <laughs> and after being inside for so long who's complaining exactly um, no uh that's dope um yeah that show was amazing i really enjoyed Thanks. getting to be there for that yeah i was, was working yeah um but <laughs> you were i know i was definitely working but i i loved it like I can say that and it doesn't mean that I'm doing something that I hate. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm working, but I'm watching a show that I like. You know what I'm saying? In Richmond, I think it's, I think what makes Richmond cool is, the way that different like art influences each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like also hearing another person's outside perspective because you Mm -hmm. weren't always here, I wasn't always here. So like, what drew you to Richmond? Um, Because your band was in another city, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you could have had practice out there, but what what brought you here to Richmond?
0: Aaron and the Wildfire came to Richmond because our keys player quit and we were having to find subs all the time, and we were just constantly drawing from Richmond. Mm -hmm. There's so much talent here, and also a lot of the people that we really admire were working here. Uh, Butcher Brown in particular, like, we just love their music and how hard they work. And um, some of our other Charlottesville friends were coming here all the time, too. Like, Charles Owens is one of our other just favorite musicians. We really look up to him, and he actually just moved here, too. (laughs) but he was playing here all the time and just a lot of the music that we were enjoying was coming from here. Um, So it seemed like a logical next step to go to a slightly bigger place. We really admired the scene Um, and I was just also ready for a move. We'd been in Charlottesville for 10 years, if you include our schooling, so I was ready for a change and I'm also, as you mentioned earlier, a big family person and like really tied to my family in Southwest Virginia. So this wasn't too far away. <laughs> I could still get home in like two and a half hours yeah. and, um, and see people if I need to. So it felt like a really logical next step away from home, um, getting into a bigger pond and trying to make more connections. Also, this is a great place to tour from. Like it's so centralized mm-hmm. in terms of East Coast touring. Um, so that's been another
1: great yeah, aspect. You can get anywhere in an hour and a half yeah. or 2 hours. Yeah. Yeah, so Handywoman Creations is giving you a box of oh super gosh. sweet treats to take, so enjoy wow. those. Uh, that's honestly, so Smoked nice. Jerky's got some jerky in there for Thank you. Thank you. There's a Hero RVA coffee mug. I enjoy love it. all of it.
0: I get to keep this mug?
1: Well, there's a, there's a fresh one in there for oh, you. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. No problem. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, this it. is this has been fun, man. Everything
3: good? Y'all good? Yeah, everything, we lost
1: those lights. I saw that, like, I saw that just a second ago, but
3: yeah. I just have a quick question about like, you know, I know we're still in COVID, but when we're relaxed, what place do you just want to go back to and eat? Like, what's the ambience Mm. around it? It's just nice, and you want to sit inside the restaurant and not have a worry about things.
0: Yeah. So many places, I'm such a food person. So a lot of, a lot of spots, but I love Sabai. And I love that vibe inside with all the plants, and they've got such good drinks, and that's my spot. It once is. I can go back inside somewhere. I like somewhere.
3: going to the, the jungle room. That's yeah, the so yeah. The I've never been there. there. I've just heard about that. If you like the plants, then you'll really like it mixed with the <laughs> disco
1: ball. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they do the wax buildup dance parties over there. With, uh, what does that mean? So it's it's like an event put on where they only spin vinyl records. Oh my gosh. And, but it's like all dance music from like all the different years. So it's like yeah,
3: there's like six different. DJs,
1: and they all come up and do a different thing and oh it's, it's gosh that cool sounds vibe. so cool
3: that's amazing
1: she, she loves it <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: great. and then i just wanted to say i went to the women's march too and it really was all about love yeah i have a poster amazing. that i made just back oh, here, yeah, that back like, here was so the oh i want to see it
1: which one uh this one back here in the corner oh
0: my gosh yeah
3: that's I beautiful. Went with my mom actually did you yeah. that's so special and but i get the whole like uh being concerned because my dad was in the FBI at the time. Really? Uh, at Quantico um, as a director, and he he just was like, "Be careful It's a yeah. lot of people." But it really. I mean, it was almost kind of
0: scary how many people were there. Oh my gosh! It was on so the subway, packed. but
3: you know, all those pink hats. Yeah. Like, can you be angry at pink? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I do wish we
0: could have got, could have gotten closer to the speakers. Like, they luckily they did have all those like rows of yeah. speakers, you know, amplification set up. But I wanted to be able to see them. That would have been mm. cool. Yeah
3: maybe but, next time yeah if, if we need to rally again I know. well we probably do
0: more <laughs> monitors yeah <laughs> we'll get elijah on sound <laughs>
3: more video
1: monitors more sound monitors you feel like you're there
3: <laughs> after COVID, i feel like now we've like perfected how to bring no
1: honestly home. that's yeah. where that's where the virtualness comes in it's like everybody stay in your city We've got a monitor live linked to the joint, yeah. to, to the main one, and we're linking all of the cameras back so that it's, it's like, you don't have to crowd DC, you don't have to, that's where this all goes. Digital <laughs> protest. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for watching. Shout outs to the crew cool Alana Notes for putting together this dope production. What up y'all? Shoutouts outs to Erin Lunsford for coming on Liner Notes.
3: Make sure that you watch the visual episode so you can see how beautiful she is. Oh snap,
1: credits. Gordy Michael was our audio engineer. Camera crew was Alex and Barrett, thank you guys so much. Gopher, Jai, really, really appreciate it.
3: Director of Photography, Elijah, my hubby. I did some motion graphics, that's me, Ryan Moses Hedrick. Oh, some
1: animations were done by Ryan L. Moses and Theodore Taylor III. They were super dope. Beats by Gordy Michael on a couple of them.
3: Please check out Aaron Lunsford Music. If you want to know all the songs that we played. check out our website, hererva.com, and look for her episode.
1: Musical credits, man, we had Ant Symbol on the theme. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you to our sponsors, Honestly Smoke with the Craft Jerky and Handy Woman Creations with those Sweet Treats. Thank you for the tasties go out support your local music everywhere you live there's local music liner notes